We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. When was the last time you went into a bank? Now more than ever, who you're doing business with is more important than where they're located. Emprise Bank is a trusted business partner that can serve anyone, anywhere. If you are listening to this, you should be listening to what Emprise Bank has to offer. So thrilled to be partnering with them. Honored to be working with them. They've been a lot of fun. And they're 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 fantastic. I really hope if you're looking for business, uh, for banking, you should you should you should consider them. Make sure that they're they're part of your consideration. And uh I real quick off the top, I know a lot of people have been concerned about Craig Stout. Craig is fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of a crazy week for Craig Stout. He's so, actively flying an airplane. He just sent us a DM. He's actively flying and coding an airplane at the same time. I don't know is, how you do that, but this that's is not happening. a joke. This is real. Craig Stout uh, <laughs> is is actually uh, in an aircraft right now. <laughs> There's no joke. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. Who that? Rest in peace, Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane. I'm I'm honestly a little bit disappointed, sad. I don't know exactly how to feel that Chief in Carolina is gone. You're just trying to screw my intro up, aren't you? I mean, that was that was my priority number one. Um, I wanted to have fun with some of the uh, the Grim Reaper talk, and as soon as I did it, I was like, oh no, someone might come for Chief in Carolina. Let me make sure I have a backup ready just in case that happens. And lo and behold, Chief in Carolina got bopped pretty quick as soon as I got <laughs> rid of it. It got it got taken right off the board, but that was all right. We're ready for a change. Now I think every three and a half weeks, I'm going to change it just to keep Kent on his toes. Yeah. Like this is like, honestly, like I was just, I had anxiety. Like this is Maddie. Like Maddie's very free flowing, just kind of go with the flow, very relaxed about anything that comes his way. And I'm just having anxiety. It's like this man's entire brand has been chief in Carolina for the last four years. And you're just like, eh, I'm good. You know? Uh, so yeah, this, it was just kind of fun. Um, yeah, Maddie KCSN. I'm gonna have to really get used to that. So I, we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, so we have been raising money for Feed It Forward, our program that's gonna be helping with food insecurity in 2022. It's something that we're very honored to be part of, and the fundraiser that we've been doing here uh, has been uh, to you know to to enter a raffle, uh, more or less for 
uh, tickets to the AFC Championship game. And I just want to make sure to say before we start, thank you guys so much for participating in this. I know obviously people are excited to try to get to the AFC Championship game, but also thank you for supporting Feed It Forward and what we're trying to do here at KCSN uh, to support our community. And you guys came out in, in full force to help support the community. So we are ready to announce a winner for uh for the uh for the raffle and did i win did i win no maddie and if okay. you had won i would have we would just would have drawn another name i'm just i'm sorry God. uh that, that's not how this works we're gonna be in las vegas anyway for the afc championship game as it is so if you guys are ready the winner of the tickets is alex fox so a big congratulations and a thank you for supporting uh, what we are doing here and in the Feed It Forward program. Congratulations to Alex Fox. You're going to the AFC Championship game. And thank you so much to everyone that participated. I don't know if we're going to release some numbers later, but I know you helped uh, at least 1,500 meals go to uh, the homeless in Kansas City. That's such a special, special thing that you guys participated in. And we're very, very appreciative of that. All right. It is time to start talking about Chiefs Bengals. And I a question just off the top, Maddie. Do you feel prepared to talk Chiefs Bengals, or is the hangover of what we just experienced, Chiefs Bills, still lingering in your head? Where are you mentally right now? Because I'm just I'm just fascinated. Where are you sitting mentally right now? Where do you think I am, Kate? If you had to guess where 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 Maddie underscore KCSN is sitting right now, where do you think that would be? I think you've just got just a a you're you're, you're speaking with your chest. You are just you are you're feeling it. You 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 know that there's the potential for the letdown, but you just feel that this team has come out and done something special in the last few days, and you know it's going to carry over into the Bengals game. It doesn't matter what they do. That's the vibe I think you're having right now. What are you feeling, buddy? Ain't no letdown coming. This team this team isn't sitting there to <laughs> let down. If they were playing the and maybe the Titans, but even the Titans beat them earlier in the year, like you'd have to have somehow snuck a team in here that had no relevance whatsoever to what the Chiefs were doing for me to even start considering a letdown game. But the fact that it was the Bengals who just beat the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, like the last team to beat the Chiefs is the Bengals. They did it kind of in this not embarrassing fashion, but a big comeback that, you know, doesn't look good upon the team. I think there is zero doubts that this team is ready to flip that page and get going. Just look at the locker room. Like when you saw all these videos coming out of the locker room from after the game, guys were excited. Guys were pumped up, obviously, and feeling it after that game. But from Andy down to the players, everybody was ready to start considering what's happening next. They were ready to start thinking about the next game. They got through that moment a lot fast. I think they got over that crazy game against the Bills faster than the Bengals got over their game against the Titans. It wasn't as crazy, but it was still last play of the game. Kicker has to come out and kick this game-winning field goal kind of situation. I don't think the Chiefs are anywhere close to this kind of letdown trap game at all for this one. I, you know, I hate being the guy that's like, well, you know, losses in the regular season can sometimes be a good thing. But honestly, I feel like the loss against the Bengals in a lot of ways was kind of a good thing because I don't, I'll, I'll say it flat out. I think the Chiefs did enough to win that football game. I think we've talked a lot about this. It feels like the refs uh, and the refereeing and the officiating in that football game definitely altered the outcome of that game. I mean, the Chiefs were up 11 points at one point. Um, they, uh, you know, there's some situational football and some stuff there that we can talk about maybe, uh, as we get into this a little bit, but I honestly think the chiefs did more than enough to win that football game and things kind of kept them out of, uh, out of that occurring. Uh, but I love the fact that the chiefs lost that game. I really do. 
because I think that is just an additional reason, an additional layer for this team to um, to be locked in, you know, and and provides a little bit more focus. I mean, if you need, if you need any reason, if you need any reason to to not be amped about this game, I, you probably got problems. But I think there's just a few more layers um, here and there. Uh, before we get too far into this, we have a very special announcement Ooh. about the AFC Championship game uh, and more. Just take a look at this here real quick. That is right. The Kingdom Bar and Grill is going to be available. You can watch the AFC Championship game there. I am so excited for people to get a chance to see what Kingdom Bar and Grill is all about. It is such a cool venue. It's such a cool location. It's a great place to watch a game. They have taken Chiefs fans into consideration in building this thing. It is an absolutely fantastic experience. And I cannot wait for people to get a look at this. So make sure if you are looking to watch the game somewhere, Kingdom Bar and Grill is absolutely a place that you need to be taking a look at uh, if you're in the area. It is the place to look at if you are going to be in the area. Make sure you get out there if you are uh, over in Overland Park or just in the KC Metro because it is going to be such a cool experience and such a fun vibe as the Chiefs. I don't know. Well, no, well, you know what? We won't we won't talk about our predictions for Chiefs. Trying fans. to spoil we, the whole show. We can't. I was about to end the show. I was trying to get out of here, Matt. Okay, this now wait my, a second. Just try to move on and try to just kind of get, you know get done with this thing here. All right, let's talk about Chiefs Bengals. And I know, like you know, there's probably some people that are a little bit still just sitting and and enjoying what we saw against against the Bills. And honestly, I think I kind of am in that mode a little bit. Um, I feel. You know, I, I I've been rewatching moments, and you know, it's 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 it was such a special game. Like, I mean, the, honestly, we're talking about one of the greatest games in the history of the National Football League. But the Chiefs have to move on, and so do we. And we have to focus. Turn that page, Kent. Turn we got to turn that page. We, you're right. We got to turn that page, baby. We got to get focused on the on the task at hand because the task is not done. And you know, the Chiefs can sprint. You know, they can sprint through this last week. Have two weeks to rest for the Super Bowl if they can get through the Cincinnati Bengals. We talked about this a little bit. This is a team that they played. This is a team that they lost to on the road against the Bengals. Somewhat controversial. Um, but let's kind of unpack. Let's start with the game that we just saw these two teams play. What things that you saw that carried over, or th what are the things that you worry carry over? And what are the things that you worry about from the first matchup? What is the first, like, I mean, I, I'm assuming I know what the first thing is, but let's just go. Like, what are the things that are kind of giving you pause, giving you concern based on what we saw the last time these two teams matched up? Uh, for me, I, I'm not going to start with the obvious because I think everybody knows what those are, but uh, this Bengals offense is so college-y to me. Everything about this offense screams college offense to me, and that makes it incredibly simple, but that also makes it easier for good players to execute it. So the scheme, the concepts, they're very easy for good for any player to execute, but then when you put really good players into that system, they can execute these plays Fantastically. I think you've seen that with this Bengals team, whether it's Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, all these guys, Joe Mixon, they're put in situations to where it's relatively simple. They're not having to read too much stuff. It's not a play designed to work against one specific scheme that they saw on film coming up, but rather they're saying the defense isn't going to be able to cover you if you run this play well. 
And unfortunately, that's true when you're dealing with guys of that talent level. So just that offense is really hard to break. It's hard to beat the offensive system because it's such a bland, simplistic system that Zach Taylor runs for the Bengals. It's I think the Chiefs have a coaching advantage on both sides of the ball here, but it's really hard to say, oh, Steve Spagnuolo's coaching advantage, his scheme being better is going to win because I just think the simplicity of their system, the simplicity of that offense overrules any gap that may be there with just talent and saying, hey, guy, you're good. Go run faster than the guy across from you. And when they can frequently, it's really hard to come up with answers that aren't based on the individual player across from them. Yeah, the, the Jimmy's and, you know, it's X's and O's versus Jimmy's and Joe's argument in some way, shape, or form. Because, like, yes, I do think, I mean, listen, I don't want to get too crazy because I do think that, you know, there's a solution for every coverage that Joe Burrow could see pre-snap with just about every play. But there's just a lot of really good skill players executing that offense. And, you know, if you were looking at a seven-on-seven seven team, like the, the Bengals' offense would be one of the best because it's not just he who shall not be named, Jamar Chase. <laughs> It's, you know, there's, there's guys that really kind of is, I mean, yeah, he's all right. You know, he's decent, but like there's, there's, there's other players that can really execute and really beat you. Um, you know, T Higgins, a guy that would look great in Kansas city. Um, you know, Tyler Boyd, these are guys that have some skill. They have some ability and the guy, the trigger man, Joe Burrow, like there are more weapons than just, you know, Jamar chase. And yes, maybe the offense and the scheme isn't, uh, you know, isn't as complex as maybe an Andy Reed and Andy Reed's you know, kind of putting in that extra time to kind of maximize his skilled players in different ways. But there is a little bit of freedom and confidence that those guys definitely play with on the field. And you saw it because like, sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, my guy's better than your guy. And the last time that these two teams matched up, the answer was, and we can talk a little bit about him. He's the boogeyman in some way, shape or form. It's, it's Jamar Chase, former Kansas football commit. Jamar Chase. Very important to talk about that. Why didn't he go to Kansas? Can you can uh, you enlighten people on why he decided to decommit from Kansas? I mean, he committed for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> KU, KU at one point had like the top a top ten recruiting class in all of college football before everybody decommitted. I mean, but it, didn't it, didn't the Kansas head coach tell him he couldn't play college wide receiver? Nope. nope. Oh, okay. You are mis- you are mixing your timelines up because okay. uh, Les Miles was not there yet. So oh okay yeah. Okay. It was now, just the, the guy my that bad, didn't think bad. the guy that didn't think Jamar Chase could play football was Kansas's head coach after that. So <laughs> that's much better. Um, <laughs> but I mean, Jamar Chase, look, I mean, like there's I, I, we can't ignore him and we have to talk a little bit about him. Jamar Chase wrecked the Chiefs game last time around and it bred a lot of stupid narratives like credit to Joe Burrow for you know being willing to throw the ball to Jamar Chase. But that game looks a lot different without Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was the storyline of that football game. It was not a Mahomes versus Burrow thing that's worth even discussing, especially after last week now. But uh, Jamar Chase was the guy, and he made some outstanding plays. He kind of, you know, he he pinpointed and, and showed the weaknesses of this Chiefs defense. And the thing that probably worries you if you're a Chiefs fan is that Jamar Chase and the Bengals shown a propensity to attack the area of the field that the Chiefs try to force or you know try to force throws and, and and hope for those low percentage throws to hit. The problem is those throws aren't as low percentage if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, Maddie. And that this is something we talked about heading into that game. The Bengals are a team that will throw these balls up the sideline. They did that. It went poorly. You know, we all know that now. Chiefs fans, the Chiefs as a team, everybody knows that that went really bad for the Chiefs when the Bengals decided to do that. So the question is, are they going to do that again? Will they come out with essentially the same game plan? Are they going to say, 
Jamar Chase is better than Charvarius Ward or Rashad Fenton or whoever might be defending him vertically and just keep throwing up these 50-50 balls, for a lack of a better word, to him despite being well covered. You're throwing up a low percentage pass. The problem is he's been so good at coming down with them all year, but then especially against the Chiefs in that particular game, will they be willing to live in that world again? Now, I do think a little bit of that was not necessarily game script, but the way the game was going. I don't think if they started off one for three on those types of passes, they would have thrown six more of them throughout the game. They kept throwing them because they were working. It wasn't like that was their only plan of attack, but they started out working early in the game. So you might as well keep feeding them until it stops. And the only time the Chiefs really stopped the ball from going to Jamar Chase deep was one good play by Traverius Ward in which he got up and, you know, celebrated in front of Jamar Chase. And we all know how that ended after that point. And then another one was the T Higgins. Those were the only real vertical shots that they stopped. And Jamar Chase, besides that, I think caught six other passes down the sideline on these fades or go routes. And it was just the Chiefs had no answer. If the Bengals decide to go this route again, which they should, the Chiefs are going to have to have an answer for it. I don't know what their answer is going to be right now. I mean, Kent, what would you, what would you do? What would you do to stop Jamar Chase? I mean, I would probably try to sit a safety over the top of him and be very intentional about keeping safety over the top. And I would try to, you know, maybe muddle, I like sit in cover too a little bit and just try to, you know, maybe cheat a little bit that 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 safety over the top of him because I think you need to try to rough him up at the line of scrimmage. I think you need like Charvarius Ward. I would try to be very physical with him at the line of scrimmage. I try to rough him up. I would try to make the referees officiate this game in a manner in which. That is, uh, you know, that it's either going to be tolerated or it's not. I would make them define how this game is going to be played early. I'd be physical with them off the top. I'd try to sit a safety over the top of them. I would try to play kind of a double coverage, uh, and I think, I think the, I think the Titans tried to double him in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, they they were paying extra attention to him when the Bengals matched up the last two times. So um, I, I'm just, I'm trying to. I, it's, it sucks though because I don't think you can force the Bengals to play left-handed in the same way you can force other teams, because I think there's a lot of weapons, Tyler Boyd, um, you know, T Higgins. I think those guys are very capable of making this team pay too. I will say really quick, and I'll just jump, I'll just jump back to you in a second, Maddie. But the thing that really bothers me and that worries me is that we've seen this team continue to struggle outside the numbers with some of these games since the Bengals game. Like I think about the, you know, some of the only success the Steelers had was winning outside the numbers. And you've had some issues in the secondary at times with, you know, Mike Hughes playing. Mike Hughes has given up some of those opportunities. Those are some of the things I worry about a little bit. If the, if the secondary is going to be thin, that's some of the things I'm concerned about. Maddie, what are you doing? How are you looking at this situation? Oh. What are you, how are you playing this game? So anytime Jamar Chase is on the outside, we are going to bracket him. Um, don't care. We're bracketing him anytime he's on the outside. That's plain and simple. I'm not going to give him, I will waste, so to speak, another defender to straight up bracket him. Maybe you can save it for third downs, whatever, whatever you want to do, but he's getting a lot of brackets when he's on the outside. When they align him in the slot, I think you can get away with skipping the bracket and just keeping a deep half safety over the top of him because hmm. I don't think the Bengals specifically, and especially with Jamar Chase, they're not running him on a ton of crossing routes. They're not running him across the field a ton. So I think if you're going to bracket him, you might be wasting. You can essentially get the same thing if you just play a deep half safety over the top. So when he's in the slot, I'm just keeping two guys over the top. They love to run them on sale routes or corner routes out of the slots, slot fade. You'll get a lot of those, but I can help with that safety over the top when he's on the outside. Like I said, straight up bracket every time. I'm making somebody else beat me. We can talk about T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd being these fun weapons, and they are. I don't think they're bad players by any means. I'd love either one of them on the Chiefs. 
I don't think either one of them are good enough to beat the Chiefs. I don't hmm. think that the Chiefs are going to lose a game to T. Higgins. They're not going to lose a game to Tyler Boyd, especially Tyler Boyd just beating Legarius Sneed out of the slot time and time again. I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't think those guys can have a 250-yard game. Now, I say that, and Gabe Davis just. I was going to say two words, Gabriel Davis. <laughs> right, and that's going to bring us back to this. I everything I'm doing is basing on Tyron Matthew playing because if Tyron Matthew plays, at least two of those touchdowns to Gabe Davis aren't wide open. I'm not saying he doesn't catch them, but two of them aren't wide open down the middle of the field because Watts is in there. There's a miscommunication in the second or whatever it may be. So just, I would challenge Higgins. I would challenge Boyd Dwin. I would challenge Joe Burrow, who's great. He is great getting the ball out quick, just, you know, reading stuff pre-snap. I would challenge him to be in lockstep with anybody else but Chase because I think that it's going to be less consistent throughout the whole game. And that, I mean, that brings me to my next point. I mean, the next biggest thing from that game, how do you attack Joe Burrow? Are you pressuring him? Are you just rushing for what's, what's your path to success there, Kent? That's a big question because it didn't feel like, you know, interior pressure, that quick pressure has been particularly there recently. And that's the big question. Like Chris Jones has to play a big factor in this football game. And if you think you can get home with four with this pass rush, who has shown some promise and shown some, you know, they've all like, I think, you know, Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, Chris Jones have all had their moments this year, but like I, last week they struggled to really get home as consistently, especially with the interior pressure with four. And you would have liked to see them get a little bit more. Um, you've got, I, this is, I mean, it's, it's I don't want to say it's just a, let's see what, what works at on, on game day. But honestly, like, I, I think the best interest is to get home with four. You know, the best hope is I think you got to get home with four because, like, I think Chris Jones can really wreck this game because the interior of that Bengals offensive line is bad. But if they're if you're not going to do it, you've got to try to pressure him because this guy's shown him a willingness to hold on to the football a little bit too long to try to make plays. He's tried to extend outside of the pocket and he's been caught and incapable of doing it. So, like, yeah, you know, you, you I think you try to get home with four early, and then you if if not, you're gonna try to heat him up. You've got to try to heat him up because I think he makes really bad decisions at times in the pocket. I don't think he's mobile enough to 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 escape. And I, he sat on some footballs last week uh, against the Titans that really hurt their team. I mean, they, we're talking about all this game, and they they only put up 19 points. But like, I think that's kind of the approach I'm taking. What are you taking? I think you're right. I something I noticed with Joe Burrow is that. I think he's actually very squirrely in the pocket. I think he's very mobile and can escape a lot of pressure. We saw that against the Chiefs. We've seen it over and over again. But I don't think he's a dynamic athlete. So if you're... Real quick, real quick, real quick. Sorry. Before you get too far, is he healthy though? Because he did not look quite... I mean, he he, he limped through the end of the game against the Chiefs. Are we sure he's healthy? And are I mean, are we sure he's as mobile as he was against the Chiefs? Because he just he got hit sixty-seven times in this right. Titans game, and he exactly he didn't look the part. He didn't look as mobile as he has against the, against the Titans. So I'm well, I think so. I think there's a reason for that, though. I think it's the way the Titans rushed him. The Titans don't try to consistently bring speed pressure off both edges at once. Specifically, they did it to the Chiefs. They were doing it a lot to the Bengals. Their left defensive end, or their left defensive end, the offense is right. He's much more of a contained rusher. He's making sure that that quarterback can't flush out to his right. That's where Burrow, that's where a lot of right-handed quarterbacks like to get out to. So I think what the Titans were doing, they were running a lot of stunts and games up front, but they constantly had somebody off the left side, off their left side, the offense is right, holding contain. And as soon as you see that as a quarterback, you kind of have to either step up or you have to pick a different way to scramble. And I think that's what really slowed down Burrow. And that's where you saw him holding onto the ball a little bit was 
he realized he had to escape because pressure was coming. But when you see that, you know, Danico Autry was looping around to the outside, or you see that Harold Landry wasn't screaming off the edge, but instead, you know, rushing high up the arc and he's holding you in the pocket. Burrow doesn't have Josh Allen's or Patrick Mahomes' athleticism to tuck it and sprint through the B gap and go pick up 13 yards with regularity. That's not his game. He'd rather escape out the side. So I think. If you're the Chiefs, I think the four-man pass rush is clearly the key cog here. You just saw the Titans absolutely destroy the Bengals with their four-man pass rush. But I think a big part of it is running a lot of these twists, a lot of these games. Make sure you're always having somebody looping around or rushing deep off Burrow's right side to keep him in the pocket. And then you're kind of letting your other three guys win. If that requires an extra game, we saw the Chiefs pulling off a lot of, you know, tackle in stunts against the Bills to quite a bit of success. That was where a lot of their pass rush success came from. So be it. Maybe that's where it comes from. Maybe it is Chris Jones just dominating, you know, another former Jayhawk in Adenogy there on the interior who's had a rough couple weeks. Whatever it may be, I just think you need to try to keep him in the pocket and then get the rush. Now, I will say this too. I want a lot of sim pressure. I want a lot of guys Ooh. to the line of scrimmage, a lot of guys over the front because that Bengals offensive line is not picking up pressure very well. The Bengals are quick to go into extra protection versus teams that blitz a lot. The Titans don't blitz a lot, so they were still willing to stay in five-man protections. The Chiefs do. We saw the Titans get into max protect a lot against the Chiefs. You bring sim pressure and force them to at least start with this tight end sifting across the formation, trying to pick up a blitz, the running back looking the chip. I think you can actually catch them out with a lot of sim pressure, and then when you start doing that, bring some of those slot pressures. Tyron Matthew, Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed all had pretty clear runways at one point in time against Joe Burrow that Burrow didn't know was coming till the last second in that first game. You got to capitalize and you get those, but call up some of those. I don't want a lot of cover zero. I don't need a lot of, you know, six, seven guys rushing, but five, the occasional corner blitz, all about it as long as you're getting a lot of other guys at the line of scrimmage. Like I said, give me those creepers. Give me that sim pressure right up the front. Make that interior offensive line that's been bad. Try to sift it out and then bring a corner off the edge. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Uh, three sacks for the interior of the defensive line. The last time it, these two teams played, Chris Jones had two sacks. Jaron Reed had one as well. Uh, five QB hits between the two of them. Frank Clark also got involved with a sack, a, a tackle for lost QB hit as well. So um, it did come along a lot. A lot of that pressure did come from the interior there. Um, I, I don't want to circle back too far, but I do want to talk about Jamar Chase. One thing really quick that I forgot to kind of mention earlier. Um, you know, we saw how the Chiefs lost to, I mean, how Jamar Chase beat the Chiefs last time. The thing that you've got to also pay attention to this week. The push is, off. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, that too. But the, the Bengals did a fantastic job against the Titans of getting him involved. Like, I think the Titans were very intentional about trying to take him away. But you saw Jamar Chase make some plays. Jamar Chase played the Debo Samuel role in, some, in a little bit of the run game. Uh, they threw some quick screens out to him to try to see if he could create, and he did. I think he had one of like one of the biggest plays of that game early in the early in the game. They threw a little screen out to him and he was able to take it over 50 yards. They got him involved in the run game in some of these key situations. So um, you know, like you're not gonna completely eliminate Jamar Chase, and he was able to get his in a lot more ways. Um, I think you've just got you probably gotta live with some of those kind of things. You gotta tackle well, you gotta play well. You're just kind of I think I think for for me, it's just hoping that the Chiefs don't lose the same way they lost the last time. So like I think that's kind of how I'm 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 kind of approaching this a little bit. Um is there anything else on the um you know on the on the Bengals side of it that you're you really want or on the Bengals offensive side you really want to talk about before we move What's on? what's one thing that you think the Bengals might come out and do a little bit different from that game? Like what what is going to be their counter to what we're talking about the Chiefs have to be ready for? Like what is their next step on top of the 50-50 Yolo balls? to Jamar Chase and hoping Joe Burrow picks apart the blitz. Like what is their kind of backup plan or counter to that? I think what I just talked about, I think they're going to try to get Jamar Chase in, involved in more ways because I think they're probably anticipating the Chiefs are going to do a lot to try to take Jamar Chase out of this picture. So I think you could see some things for, for the Tyler boys and for the T Higgins of the world set up a little bit better. And I think they're going to be more intentional about moving the ball to them. And though you can do a lot worse than those guys. Like I know you kind of talk about them, you could do a lot worse than those kind of guys. But I also think they're going to be very intentional about just trying to get the ball in the hands of Jamar Chase in a lot of different ways. So Chiefs are going to have to be prepared for a lot of those things. What are you seeing, Maddie? Joe Mixon. More Joe Mixon. I think they did a pretty good job. They were good with the Titans, too. Yeah. Yeah, they did a good job mixing him in against the Titans. I said before the Chiefs played him that I still even thought their running game was pretty college-y and that everything was trying to bounce outside and just outrun everybody. And I think you kind of saw that versus the Chiefs, and it wasn't overly effective. But they figured out some stuff. You saw it against the Raiders. You saw it against the Titans. When their back is up against the wall and the passing game isn't working, they are willing to rely on Joe Mixon a little bit more. I think you saw the Bills find a little bit of success running the ball at specific times. Some of that's Josh Allen, which Burrow can't do. But I do think Joe Mixon's a better runner than anybody else that was playing in that Bills-Chiefs game. So just I think Joe Mixon could be a little bit of a secret weapon. He's really good at finding some cutback lanes. So the Chiefs will have to be disciplined, presumably playing out of a lighter box. Yep. All right, so let's do this really quick. Let's just do players to watch for the Chief, uh, the Chiefs defense against the Bengals offense. What? Uh, who's who's your guy, Maddie? Oh, Chiefs defensive. Oh, we're going Tyron Matthew. He's coming back. He's going to be lurking over the middle of the field. I don't think Joe Burrow is going to test the middle of the field a ton against the Chiefs. He did a little bit, a little bit against the Raiders, but there's not the same level of playmakers there. I think you saw against the Titans, they were back to throwing up the sidelines, back to throwing these outbreaking routes from guys with condensed splits. I do think that he'll avoid the middle of the field a little bit, but If the Chiefs come out, they're bracketing Jamar Chase. They're playing better coverage on the outside. They're funneling stuff to the middle. I think Tyron Matthew could be in a good position to come back, 
put a stamp on a game since he missed the, you know, the biggest game of the year last week. I think he's going to come out. He's going to be ready to play. And Joe Burrow's going to give you a chance. He'll give you a chance to make a play in the football. And I think this is one where the honey badger comes in. The landlord comes in and collects his rent from those pesky Bengals trying to come to his turf. I don't think Steve Spagnuolo is just going to entirely bracket Jamar Chase the entirety of the time. In the few situations that present themselves, Charvarius Ward's got to be ready. And I think Charvarius Ward had a pretty good game last week. Um, I think, you know, I think, Maddie, you even talked a little bit about it, the confidence. Like he can kind of be a guy on, on, on some emotional mood swings at times, and sometimes he's playing with confidence, sometimes he isn't. Hopefully some confidence carries over into this game. And he takes advantage of this second opportunity. I think there might be some opportunities for him against Jamar Chase one on one. He's going to have to make a few plays here and there uh, because I don't like, again, like I just joke. I mean, we know Spags. Like, I, Spags isn't going to entirely abandon everything he did the last two times or in the last time around. I don't think they're just going to completely take and try to wipe him out for the entirety of the game. There's going to be some spots. Joe Burr is going to take his shots. Charvarius Ward's going to have to make some plays. All right, let's talk about the Chiefs offense versus the Bengals defense. Now, before and, we go too far here, though, no, hold on. hey, Kent, who's the best quarterback in the entire world? Oh, this is this is an easy one. It's uh, it's Patrick Lavon Mahomes. Boy, you said that with a lot of confidence. You feel really confident in that answer. Yeah, uh, 100%. And if there was any form of rankings that would say otherwise, I would discredit the source entirely. Do you know how confident you are on this answer? That's how confident I am that McAdoodles is the best liquor store you will ever come across in the entire world, just like Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. Now, you may be asking yourself right now, like, wait, I don't think there's a McAdoodles near me. Well, actually, Kansas City area, coming this year to Lee Summit, McAdoodles will be opening up right there next to you. If that's not close enough, that's fine. You just need to get in touch with roger at info at McAdoodles.com. You need to bring another one to the area. You don't want just one Patrick Mahomes on your team. You want two. You want three. You want four of them all over the area. You need McAdoodles near you like the Chiefs need Patrick Mahomes to win the Super Bowl. You don't want to be stuck with a Josh Allen. You don't want to have a Joe Burrow. No, you want the best service. You want the best selection. You want the best liquor store. You can get the best bang for your buck. That is going to be at McAdoodles every single time. So again, get in touch with Roger at info at McAdoodles.com if you are interested and bring a second McAdoodles to you. And if not, hey, here later this year, Lee Summit, when it opens up, you got to get in there. You got You want to meet Patrick Mahomes if you have a chance to. You want to go to McAdoodles when you have a chance. That is how confident I am, Kent. Just as confident as you are in Patrick Mahomes being better than Joe Burrow. Well, let's talk about Mahomes then. Um, I want to start with this, with the offense. 28 points in the first half, the last time that these two teams matched up. And I just remember getting into halftime thinking, boy, this team is in control of this football game. I just felt they just, you know, they they went out, they put their foot on the gas for a little while. I believe they scored four straight touchdowns. I Wasn't it the game that they almost, I mean, like Tyree Kill dropped a 65-yard, 65-air-yard throw to Patrick Mahomes with like, you know, like it was in like the last minute of the game, something crazy like that. Like a few, like a few situational things took some points off the board. Like, you know, Tyree Kill simply dropping a football, holding penalty on Byron Pringle. Second half, they only had three possessions. They only had three possessions the entire second half. Two of them were with a lead. Both of them resulted in punting. 
They, the only score that they had was to tie the football game late in the game, 11 plays, 52 yards, five minute, 43 second drive. Are you, are you concerned about the second half performance that you saw offensively? Do you think there's context? What, what, what are your feelings on what you saw in the second half of that game specifically? No, I'm not concerned because I have watched the Chiefs play the Steelers and the Buffalo Bills since then. Had it just been coming right off the game? Yeah, I, I do think it was a little concerning how stagnant the Chiefs offense got. Now, three possessions. There wasn't a lot to really judge this on, but I do think it came out a little stagnant. They came out almost with their first drive that they had. It was just almost kind of lackadaisical, like they thought they were just going to go ahead and move down the field and score and end this game. But then you got a drop by Travis Kelsey. You had some poor execution with a couple penalties and little stuff like that here and there. I don't think they came out, they weren't crisp, they didn't play their best game. So I think that falls more into, I don't want to say unlucky, but just kind of a game script scenario. If you take what you've seen from these last two games from the Chiefs, everything since the first quarter of that Pittsburgh Steelers game in the wildcard round, up through the entire Buffalo Bills game, I don't know why you would not be feeling confident the Chiefs are going to score every single time they touch the football against the Cincinnati's Bengals defense, which is not near as good as the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills defense is better. It's schemed better. They are they have played with better technique. They're more disciplined. It's a simply a better defense than what the Bengals just had. And more the talented. Chiefs, more talented. <laughs> I mean, and on, on every single level, on every level of it, they absolutely are. I see no reason that the Chiefs should not score at will against this Bengals defense. I And I hate to say it because I actually think the Bengals defense has done a little bit more these last few weeks in terms of confusing offenses. I think they have done some good stuff. They've played some different coverages. They played a little bit of bare front. They've done different stuff. It's just I don't know if they have the talent to execute cleanly, play in and play out, especially such a wide array of schemes that they try to play. I really do think the Chiefs just picked them apart for the majority of the day. We've talked about this a lot on this show, and I think I think it was a a calculation error from Andy Reid with how he managed the second half. And I'm not absolving him of this. I think it's just something, this is a flaw of his, and it's something that pops up from time to time in the regular season specifically. I think Andy sat on the fall, football a little bit. I think he tried to manage the remainder of that game. I think in some ways, shape, or form, he thought he had enough points on the board. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think he came into that second half with the kind of aggressiveness that you probably will see as this team is trying to get to the finish line on the AFC side. You know, the chiefs only had one possession where they were trailing late in that game. So the first 20 minutes of that, of that second half, they had managed that game with a lead. Uh, and the ball, you know, the, 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 the one time that they actually finally put some points on the board was the possession that they were trailing now they tried they tied the game and uh, you know they had their red zone foibles in the in the you know in the red zone but um you know i i think it was some mismanagement some miscalculations there and some you know not to not to absolve it but i think this is something we've seen andy do in the past is you know he kind of just takes the foot off the gas a little bit and trying to coast into the finish line which is why you know, you never really see, you don't see Andy Reid teams step on the throat of teams as much as you would prefer them to. So I do think that there was definitely more in the tank. There's more they could have done in the second half, but they're trying to refrain and hold some things back. I think that they felt better about the game situation and flow and things turned on their heads extremely quickly. So I am not worried about what we saw, but 
I just I I'm gonna hammer on this again. And I've been hammering on it all season. And I just I cannot believe more firmly in what I'm about to say because this has been a, this has been a talking point and it's been a very obvious trend. And this isn't this isn't you know, this isn't like next level brain stuff. Just protect the football. Just protect the football. That is all this team is going to have to do this game this week. If they protect the football, they are going to win this football game. They the 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 turnovers have been the thing that have wound up costing this team the vast majority of the time. Didn't happen, I don't think, really the last time that these two teams played as much. But this week, if they just simply protect the football, they are going to win this football game. And last week, perfect game. You saw, it. and they need it. They need it. The margin for error was not particularly, you know, was it not particularly big last time, you know, last week. I think it's the same kind of thing. Yes, like Andy let his foot off the gas, but if this team just doesn't turn the ball over, they execute in the red zone, good things are going to happen. Uh, I don't know if you have anything to add on that, Maddie. I, I want to keep just going back and talking about the, the Bengals defense here because I, I don't want to not credit them at all. Like I was saying, I think they do do some fun stuff. I think that they mix up their coverages very well. I think that they do a good job getting in and out of a lot of different things and trying to disguise it. I have said what they do is they run like a like a younger version of a Steve Spagnuolo defense in which they're just throwing a lot at you. I don't think I think they've gotten better as the years got on at figuring out what they like, what they want to stick, but I still think there's some extra fat that needs to be cut off their play sheet. You saw it in the first matchup. They're sitting there. They've played a lot of cover one and a lot of cover three leading up to the Chiefs game. They come out and they show these two high looks. The Chiefs are dinking and dunking down the field like they've done against it all year, and it's working. And then as soon as the Bengals flip and try to throw some kind of cover one or cover three wrinkle, the Chiefs hit a dino route to Demarcus Robinson for a huge play. They hit McCall Harden on Wasp. As soon as the Bengals start trying to get deep into their bag of different coverages and mixing things up, the Chiefs started hitting explosive plays. The Bengals... Uh, come back, they counter by going back to two high shells in the second half. They do stop the Chiefs, so maybe they did. Maybe they did figure out something in that second half. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe they found an adjustment. I think it was just a lot more, though, that the Chiefs came out and played a little conservative. So he said, I like what a lot of the Bengals' defense does. Don't don't be surprised if the Bengals come out there and play a lot more coverages than the Buffalo Bills or the Pittsburgh Steelers did. They're going to put a lot more on film. They're going to do a lot more pre-snap. They're going to do a lot more shifting and stuff post-snap. They do a lot of post-snap rotations. It's just, I think when you call that much stuff, you're running into the risk of not only a blown coverage, but you're going to get a guy that's probably not used to playing a deep zone sometimes, and his spacing might be bad. He might not squeeze down a post route the right way. He might get pulled a little bit out of the way and give up a corner route. It's like I think that's kind of why their defense doesn't concern me overall. I think they do too much, and you can't be ex- – that defense isn't excellent at doing everything. They're okay at doing everything, and so it confuses quarterbacks like Ryan Tannehill, who aren't very good. Ryan Tannehill's not a good quarterback, so you can do all these different motions and different fronts and get him making mistakes. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to give you those free interceptions that Ryan Tannehill was. I don't think he's not going to make you pay when you have a middle linebacker trying to match the number three receiver on a vertical up the seam with no safety help. So I think the Chiefs will be able to take advantage of all the different stuff the Bengals like to do, just like you saw in the first half. It was once the Bengals settled down and played safer and the Chiefs started playing a little bit safer and more conservative that you saw the comeback. So for this specific reason, I actually think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a very good game, but I'm thinking Tyreek Hill 
I'm thinking Travis Kelsey. I think the stars, I think this is a game where the stars actually shine for the Chiefs. I think this is a game where you're not going to be having to rely on Byron Pringle or Clyde Odzielaire out of the backfield to have a big game. I think your stars are going to be able to have a big game because they are going to find a way to get open when the Bengals are doing all these different motions, that connection that Mahomes and them have. I think they'll just get aligned. I think it's going to be a big, big showing for Kelsey, for Hill, for all the guys you would expect and not having to rely on the role players like the Chiefs had to do a lot throughout the season. Well, and I think you can think about second reaction plays too. And just for the record, uh, only one person had it was it was McCole Hardman with 53 yards, uh, Tyree Kill for 40 yards, and everybody else had under 40 yards. So I mean, like this was a, a game where the the ball was spread around a little bit. I mean, again, the Chiefs only had three possessions in the second half. They kind of pulled up a little bit, but I think the second reaction plays, to your point, is something that could be very. Uh, impactful here too with Mahomes and the connections that he has with guys like Tyree Kill, guys like Travis Kelsey, you know, kind of when things go a little bit off script. Because yeah, maybe that you know the Bengals are throwing a lot of stuff out there and they get got, you know, the che- and, and and they're able to do something, you know, kind of mixing things up and maybe on first reaction, yeah, things aren't aren't clean. Second reaction plays, I think that's where things could get a little bit murkier in some of that kind of situations, some of those opportunities for Mahomes to take advantage of and to hit some of those guys like you're talking about. So um those are those are some things like I, I think that's i think it's a very good point um it's it's interesting though how you know how the ball was kind of spread around uh the way it was the last time you know that these two teams played nobody over only one person over 50 and that guy had one catch for 53 yards i mean that's just that's just wild how it is so that you know the Bengals did a good job of containing some of those bigger stars We'll see if they're able to do it this time around. Anything else on the Bengals defense slash Chiefs offense that you really want to cover? I think that the Bengals did a great job. Going into the first matchup, again, Bengals run defense, not that great. It was pretty pedestrian. A lot of teams were able to find success against it. I think the Titans, the Raiders thought they were going to do that. Boy, tell you what, DJ Reader's been a monster versus the run. I mean, he's been great Mm -hmm. in these playoffs. He has been absolutely dominating these run fronts, so I wouldn't expect the Chiefs to be able to do a whole lot on the ground. I will say real quick, I like the Chiefs incorporation of all the zone insert stuff. If you guys aren't following, you know, haven't seen kcsn.substack.com. I wrote an article about how the Chiefs were using these zone insert plays, getting into their RPO looks, why it was successful against the Bills. I think there might actually be some pretty good parallels between that and what you're going to have against the Bengals. So I do think there is at least a specific run that should line up and match up well against the Bengals defense right now. I wouldn't expect the Chiefs to have a ton of success on the ground, though. Maybe they break a long 15-yarder here or there to make it look okay. I just don't anticipate the Chiefs running the ball, especially the way Reader's been playing right now. Logan Wilson's getting a little bit healthier, so he's back out there. Like They have good enough run defenders in the middle to slow down the Chiefs. I think it's going to be all about Patrick Mahomes and what he's able to do. And I just, I don't know how you go watch that Bills defense, how good they've been all year, and how Patrick Mahomes easily diced them up all game and don't have so much confidence in the Chiefs going into this one. I was just some players to watch on offense for the Chiefs. So, Maddie, who are you going with? Let's do Orlando Brown Jr. I think he's been playing really good down the stretch of the season. He missed that first game against the Bengals, and it ended up being Joe Tooney had to slide over there because Lucas Nian got hurt as well. Joe Tooney acquitted himself very, very, very well for having to kick over to tackle during the game. He wasn't as good as Orlando Brown Jr. 
Trey Hendrickson didn't dominate him, but he made some really clutch, really timely plays. There was a couple pressures that Trey Hendrickson got that directly altered and stopped a first down being completed from Patrick Mahomes to somebody else. So there was an impact there. The fact that Joe Tooney had to slide over there very well could have impacted that game. Maybe only one or two plays, but they were just in such high leverage situations. I think Orlando Brown Jr. plays left tackle better than Joe Tooney did. There's a reason he plays there all the time. He's been really good this year. His game against the Bills was absolutely phenomenal. I think he could be in for a really big matchup with Hendrickson. If he can slow him down, shut him down very close to what Tooney did, just not give up those big plays in those high leverage situations, I just think it makes it that much easier for the Chiefs, that much easier for the Chiefs if he can go out there and play as good as he has the last four or five weeks. If there was ever a time to subscribe to KC Sports Network, it would be right now as the Chiefs are looking to uh, win their uh, third straight AFC championship and, and achieve their third straight Super Bowl appearance. So if you're watching right now, we would love for you to hit the subscribe button uh, over there. Please consider uh, hitting that subscribe button and, and getting all this uh, content that we've got on our channel here because uh, we've got a lot coming, especially since we're all going to be together in Las Vegas for the Shrine Bowl and covering the Chiefs playoff run from there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So please consider hitting that. My player to watch on offense is McCole Hardman. And I think what's interesting about McCole is I don't know if his usage has been entirely different uh, than a lot of the ways that the team has tried to get him involved recently, because I think you've seen a lot of the same kind of concepts. You know, they're using him a lot behind the line of scrimmage. They've hit him on that under route, which is really nice. Um, but I think, you know, recently, the last couple of weeks, I think a lot of, you know, what we've seen from him has been, hey, executing the things that they've been kind of asking him the last, you know, for, you know, for most of the season, really. You saw the end around the outstanding execution there. The under route, we kind of just talked about two big plays that kind of changed uh, that game in a, in a big way against the Buffalo Bills. They just need to continue, to, you know, when he has when his name's called and these opportunities that are presenting themselves with some of these reverses, some jets, some slip screens, under routes, and maybe even a, a, a vertical shot here and there. He's just got to make continue to, to to make most of those opportunities. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to get big volume this this week, next week, uh, moving forward. But obviously, like there is big play potential with his vertical speed and. He maximized this last week, and it was huge in this team's, um, you know, execution in, in finally pulling it off late in the game. So I'm watching McCole Hardman in this game uh, for, you know, I don't know if it's going to be voluminous touches, but the touches that he gets, you're hoping are as impactful as they've been recently. All right, Maddie, game prediction time for the AFC Championship game. First of all, shout out. We got we got a lot of Bengals fans watching us right now. We got a lot of Bengals fans in the chat, a lot of Bengals fans. They they have not been overly happy with, you know, our thoughts on how the Chiefs are going to score at will. And I apologize for that, guys. I, I am sorry. I think the Bengals have had a great year. Their defense has played a lot better than you think the talent accumulation there would have let them. But it's not going to matter this week, guys. It's just not. You're running into Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, it's... It was a great run, but this is it. This is where the luck kind of runs out for the Bengals. The Chiefs, I think, are playing better than anybody else in football right now on the offensive side of the ball. The defense, you know, can give up some points. I would not be surprised to see the Bengals come out and score a lot of points. You score early. It's the adjustments that'll come. I don't think there's any defensive adjustments you can pull off right now to slow down Patrick Mahomes, barring injuries to somebody on the offense right now. I think he easily dices up this team. I have the Chiefs taking this one to 28 and I don't think it ends up being that close at the end of it just because the way this Chiefs team is playing right now and I gotta tell you Arrowhead 
much louder than any SEC stadium you can come up with. Much louder. Uh, emotionally, like this game is hard for me right now, and I it's weird, and I I can't believe I am sitting here as a Chiefs fan, a long suffering Chiefs fan, thirty two years old. I have, you know, seen a lot of games that have infamous names, the no punt game, um, the the kicker who shall not be named. Um, there there's so many moments in my existence as a fan, and I'm over here sitting staring at the third AFC championship game, not even feeling the same kind of emotions that I probably, you know, would have felt five years ago, six years ago, two years ago. What Patrick Mahomes has done is normalize things that are not common. And we hammer this a lot. And I know I hammer this a lot, but I am I I I don't feel I'm not scared of this moment. I'm not scared of this moment. I'm not concerned in the same way that I've been in the past. This team is led by someone who doesn't blink, who doesn't flinch, who when things seem bleak, he rises to a level that doesn't make sense. We continue to watch what we have seen in the Patrick Mahomes era, and and he finds ways to exceed an expectation that is beyond big. And I just don't think there's any way, shape, or form that the Cincinnati Bengals are walking into Arrowhead and coming out with a victory. Because I know Joe Shiesty's on the other side over there, the number one pick, getting the gat, wearing a hat and t-shirt, celebrating with a cigar after beating the Kansas City Chief over a measly divisional win. But we don't care about divisional wins in Kansas City. Our season started more or less last week. Because our sites have always been bigger. Our sites are bigger, and they will continue to be bigger for the next decade. Because Patrick Mahomes continues to keep guys like Joe Scheiste where they're supposed to be. Down. Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the world, resides in Kansas City. And y'all have been disrespecting him all season. Y'all got a reminder on Sunday. Y'all are getting a reminder this Sunday. And y'all are getting a reminder in three Sundays in the Super Bowl. We will talk to you after a Kansas City Chiefs 38-21 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday in the AFC Championship. That's we'll what Craig predicted to too. Craig predicted the same thing. I just want to put that in there. We'll talk to you guys later. I ruined Kent's outro. We're just going to let this linger until the producer shuts it down because this is, this is good. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.